Okay, we are stewards of the life of the lives Hashem has given us, and as stewards, we have a responsibility to take care of them as best as we can. And if that means to take up arms uh, against a threat to our lives, not to property, but to our lives, we have the responsibility to do that. Shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pulse of Israel here in our eternal and ancestral homeland, the land of Israel, in our eternal and undivided capital, Jerusalem. So those of you who've been following me know that the past number of weeks, I was actually doing my IDF Miluim, or also called reserve duty. Every year, every few years, go on a reserve duty, do, do my my fulfilling my duty to protect my people and my homeland uh again to me i as anyone who knows me i say it's not even though uh serving in the israeli army and and doing reserve duty is basically mandated by law i don't look at it as something that uh as a burden but i look at it as a privilege uh, after 2,000 plus years of living in the exile and not being able to defend ourselves and living at the whims of, of uh, whatever governments or countries or rulers and depending on what they do or don't do in order to protect us or if they're the ones perpetrating the violence against us. So finally, 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 that we have our own homeland and our own army to protect, to be able to protect ourselves, our people, our homeland, and stand up for Jews around the world. That is a privilege that I do not take lightly, and um, I take advantage of that privilege to ensure I'll take that gun, I will stand there, do whatever I can to protect. In this environment of today and growing, uh, unfortunately, Jew hatred in, in the Western world, even in the United States of America, a rabbi contacted me following the Cooleyville, Texas uh, um, terror attack, he wrote an article, and he's a very big defender and proponent of Jews uh, learning how to use firearms. So we're going to be speaking to this rabbi right now, and I'm going to be introducing, this is Rabbi, Ka Ka rabbi Kari Kosberg. Shalom, shalom, Rabbi Kosberg. Shalom, Boker Tov here in uh, Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Good afternoon here in the, the beautiful land of Israel. So first of all, Rabbi Kosberg, I'm pronouncing your name correctly? Yeah. Yep. All right, wonderful. So why don't you give us a little bit about your background uh, and then go into explain to us why this is uh, an issue that's important to you. Uh, I am um, a Texan, so that probably has a little bit to do with uh, where I'm coming from. Um, was raised in a uh, conservative Jewish home, um, Kennedy Democrat uh, originally, uh, ordained from the Hebrew Union College. Um, I will be honest and say I've moved, or I will say the reform movement has, has really moved away from me, and I know um, that opinion is shared by um, other folks, other, other non-Orthodox uh, rabbis. I consider myself a a non-Orthodox rabbi, sort of garden variety. Um, Avi, I've taken the idea of Jewish self-defense very seriously. Uh, when I was teaching a course in Jewish ethics, uh, I started learning about how the Talmud talks about self-defense. A couple weeks ago, 
the Shabbat past, just this past, not this past Shabbat, but a week ago, we read Mishpatim, and Mishpatim talks about uh, what do you do when someone breaks into your house, and the, the rabbis talk about that in uh, Tractate Sanhedrin, and when I was looking at that, I came across the the statement, when someone comes to kill you, hashkem lohargo. Now, it's usually translated as rise up, but when I hear the word hashkem, I think of Abraham, and it says vayashkem Abraham. Abraham arose early in the morning when he went to sacrifice or offer up Isaac. And the word really has a connotation of being prepared. So it's not just about rise up to kill someone. You have to be prepared physically, emotionally, and spiritually to defend your life. And the rabbis make no bones about it. So when I was talking about this in my class, a student said, well, what gives us the right to take someone else's life, Rabbi? And I said, well, it's not about rights, it's about responsibility. Okay, our lives are not our own. Okay, we are stewards of the life of the lives Hashem has given us. And as stewards, we have a responsibility to take care of them as best as we can. And if that means to take up arms uh, against a threat to our lives, not to property, but to our lives, we have the responsibility to do that. Why, uh, why do you think there is such an enigma, such a negative attitude from so many in the, in the Jewish world, um, especially in the United States? And, and, it, and it, it, does, it, it crosses the uh, congregations. It crosses religious, conservative, modern Orthodox divide, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but there is such a negative attitude towards learning how to use a gun to be able to be prepared for self-defense. There's a couple of reasons, and they're actually connected. One is, I think, the traditional Jewish mindset of this is, I'm going to use the word, this is goyish and nachas, okay? This is, guns and firearms is, is what gives Gentiles pleasure, okay? And we've always traditionally disassociated from that. The other aspect is the diaspora mindset, the Galut mindset, okay? Even though those of us who live in, in Chutzl uh, Aretz are proud that Israelis defend themselves, that's over there, this is here, okay? And we, we sort of get a vicarious thrill out of it, but when it comes to defending ourselves, when it comes to Haganat Atzmi, self-defense, in our own environment, we're not there yet. Uh, and I think the other part of this is the fact that our culture now talks about guns as if they were self-animating, that if you touch a gun, if you're near a gun, somehow it's going to cause you harm, okay? Um, logically, we, we, we don't think logically about it. A gun is, a gun is a tool, okay? It's used for a specific purpose. Okay. Like an automobile, it's supposed to be used responsibly. You have to learn how to, how to use it. You have to be able to respond and react appropriately. But our culture talks about uh, guns as if they were the evil and not a tool to defend ourselves 
if they're used responsibly. So whenever um, I talk about Jews learning uh, how to use firearms, I always use the adjective responsible firearms. And by the way, if I could add, um, when, we're, when we talk about defending life and pikuach nefesh, it's not just about using a gun. It's also learning how to uh, to use, uh, I'm sorry, to to learn trauma medicine. Okay, to be able to render first aid, God forbid, if there is an incident in a in a synagogue, okay, and there's no doctor around, there's no healthcare professional around. Uh, do you know how to put a tourniquet on? Do you know how to pack a wound? Do you know how to use a chest seal? God forbid, that's the other part of it. So it's really two sides of the same coin. It's learning how to protect your life using a gun if necessary, but it's also being able to render aid, God forbid, if 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 that's needed. No, that, that that's a very very good point, and um, touching upon touch touching upon the diaspora aspect of it. Again, I'll I'll just bring in uh, uh, an event <laughs> that I I myself experienced last week. I was uh, as you just heard, I served my uh, my reserve duty last week. Holocaust and Earth. I took a picture of myself. It was the week after um, International Holocaust Remembrance Day, right? The international community has adopted. And I took a picture of myself holding my M16 gun. Now, I'll be the first person to tell you, I look forward to the prophecies coming true when everyone's guns are turned into plowshares, right? That's Amen. that's the prophecy. Amen. Amen. One, one day, we should merit those days. However, it is sad that so many of my own fellow brethren uh, imagine as if we are in those days now, ignoring the reality of the world we live in, whether in Israel or abroad. Couldn't agree with you more. And and it, it someone once said to me, other people think we live in messianic times. Realists know we live in messy times. And, and I'll, I'll put my own caveat to that. We live in messy times to bring about the messianic times, right? Bring Absolutely. it together. But but imagining or, or instituting policies or values based on if now are the messianic times, right? right meaning that, that, that those prophecies are taking place right now and, and we no longer need guns and we should act as if we no longer need guns, uh, whether in Israel or in self-defense where, where it's possible around the world or in America, that, that's, not, that's not foolishness. It's downright dangerous. Yes, yes. You know, it, it, you, you, you may have heard this. I think I actually heard this from an Israeli. Um, a charging bull doesn't care if you're a vegetarian. Right. And we Jews are living in a world with a lot of animals that want to prey on us for various reasons. Okay. And, and whether it's from the right and from the, or from the left, okay, we have enemies. They've declared themselves as enemies. We do have allies, frankly, in the non-Jewish world. There are lots of Christians, uh, in this country who celebrate and are very supportive of Jewish efforts to defend themselves, along with using, you know, the resources that law enforcement provides. Okay, but they're very, very supportive of Jews who are learning how to defend themselves on their own. Because frankly, 
uh, here in the, in this country, an officer uh, outside of a synagogue, okay, may be may want to give a signal. The synagogue may want to give a signal, but anyone who is determined to get into that synagogue, seeing an, uh, a uniformed officer, that's the first casualty. That's the first casualty. Okay, and if people get into the synagogue, okay, we're always being told, you know, call 911. They'll be there in a, you know, in minutes. Well, when seconds count, the cops are there in minutes. And right. if there's nobody in the synagogue to be able to respond, there's going to be bloodshed. The, 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 the folks in, in Pittsburgh who died, I was told from security experts, did what they were told to do. They hid. They hid under the pews and the shooter came and just started walking down the aisle, picking them off. Okay. It's not enough to be able to run and hide and fight with whatever you have because, because throwing cedarim or taluses that, 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 that can't work. Ultimately, somebody in the synagogue has to be trained with, uh, with a firearm. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying everybody bring in guns because that's not the answer either. That that's arguably a worse scenario, okay. but synagogues and, and other Jewish institutions need to come up with programs, recruit people, vet them, put them through training so that another Pittsburgh or even a, a, a Colleyville doesn't happen. The only reason Colleyville ended the way it did is because the terrorist himself was incompetent. He was incompetent. Right. Right. It very, it very much is, a, is miraculous how that ended up with, with no casualty th casualties from the, from, from the Jewish hostages. Thank God. So I want to bring up these two points and I want to touch upon the re responsible, responsible gun ownership as, 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 as you're terming it. Point number one, uh, those who are familiar, who are not familiar with many of the terror attacks here in Israel, but a lot of them were stopped not by soldiers or policemen, but by regular citizens who have sidearms, all right? So that's mm -hmm. one, that's just something, because that, that doesn't always get understood or get known, um, but it's something for people to understand, that many of the terror attacks are stopped not by the security forces, but by individual citizens who have firearms. That's one. Number two, it's not, people think it's so easy to get gun license in Israel. It's not easy at all to get a gun license in Israel. I mean, without going into the details. But number three, touching upon responsible gun ownership. And again, I'm going to take it from this direction. I just came out of reserve duty, IDF reserve duty. The law, the, the, the rules of, of, um, of engagement, of when we're allowed to shoot, are, uh, are very strict. And, and the Army puts very, very strict rules on, uh, on gun safety. And here you're talking about soldiers when we're trained to use our guns, right? And to just give uh, the most, uh, one of the biggest examples of the importance of gun safety is to make sure that you don't have fellow uh, soldiers or, or, or people on the same side shoot each other, friendly mm -hmm. fire. And it's, you always have to be careful. And again, you raise the you you raise the the scenario potentially if a lot of people have guns in a synagogue and someone runs in, someone a terrorist runs in, everyone takes out their guns, everyone shoots. Well, you can have a lot of innocent people uh, falling, get, getting hit by the bullets of, of friendly fire as well. Right. So it's responsible gun ownership is the way to go. Meaning, I, I mean, and I'll. I want to hear your input on this, but obviously it's a call for people to potentially learn how to use a gun, 
But then if you are part of a congregation or a community or organization, let there be understood rules of a who and when and how uh, to use if necessary to ensure that if a bad guy comes, whoever is responsible and has the guns are the ones using it. And it's not everyone just pulling out their guns and firing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as, as probably a lot of people know, in this country, uh, even though we have a Second Amendment, different states have different rules about who's able to get uh, a license, okay, a concealed carry license. And it's called different things in different states, okay? Here in Ohio, um, to get a concealed carry, which means you can carry uh, in a concealed way, you have to go through a certain amount of training and you have to pay for a license. The thing is, it's like getting a driver's license. Just because you have a driver's license doesn't know, doesn't mean you know how to operate the automobile responsibly. So um, if someone is going to do shmirah in a in a synagogue, shall we say? That's guard, right, guarding security detail. Right, right. Um, and by the way, in uh, where I daven on on Shabbos morning, I'm the I'm the designated shomer. Uh, I'm I'm the shomer dal tot Yisrael, as it were. Oh. Um, oh, so you're the designated guard, the civilian yes. guard. Yes. Uh, and by the way, let me let me just say that there there's still synagogues that have the the signs "No weapons allowed." Okay, that is an invitation to a bad guy to come in. Okay, um, it's like putting a bullseye on on everyone's back. Okay, so point. many synagogues, including my own, the one I serve, um, we've taken that down. Uh, some synagogues actually and churches have put up signs that welcome people, but also let them know that there are uh, individuals who are armed in case of an emergency. Okay, so uh, security experts believe that could be somewhat of a of a deterrent. To to really be trained uh, after you after a person gets their concealed carry license, they have to continue to to take advanced courses, okay, to learn different maneuvers, to, to know when to shoot someone and when not to shoot, okay, because in a, particularly in a, in a, an emergency in a synagogue where there's chaos and the adrenaline's pumping, okay, if you don't have good muscle memory, if you haven't gone through enough training, it, it's going to be worse chaos. And I know a lot of people believe that just because they have their concealed carry permit, they're prepared. They are not prepared. They're absolutely not prepared. Okay, um, gun use is a perishable skill. Okay, people need to go to the range regularly. They need to be familiar with their firearm. They need to make sure their firearm is in good working order. Uh, they need to be able to practice drawing from their holster. They need to be. They need to have good training. Okay, and not just some you know your brother, your brother-in-law who may have been in the army once once upon a time. They need to be trained by responsible people who are who are um, who have the credentials. Okay. And and let me say say this is where the NRA in this country is a very very valuable resource. The NRA gets a lot of bad press um, in this country, but they're the people, okay, who know how to train and have a good track record of of training uh, civilians. So what would be your message, I guess on two different levels, what would be your message to individual Jews, uh, again, regardless what congregation or where they live, 
And what would be your message slash call of action to community leaders moving forward? Good question. Um, your question reminds me of the kind of can response now, never again, never again, never again. We all we always hear never again now. Okay. Never again is usually a call to do more education, okay? Um, to make friends with our enemies or the people who really don't care, understood, okay? We need to promote what I call more kumbaya, okay? Well, it's interesting that, um, as I remember, the person who really is associated with the, with the phrase never again was Rabbi Meir Kahani, okay? Rabbi Meir Kahani is an anathema to most of the American Jewish community. So it may be a good idea to go back and think about what he meant when he said never again, okay? But the phrase itself has really kind of been tweaked a little bit. I'm holding a kippah that says again, never. Again, never, okay? So I guess the message I would, I would, because it is, is we are living unfortunately and regrettably in some very dangerous times, okay? We don't have the luxury of thinking that if we're vegetarians, the charging bull won't attack us, won't charge us, okay? We have to prepare regretfully, um, but responsibly, okay? This is something that we just have to do. We may not like it. We don't have to like it. Maybe we shouldn't like it. But it's something that we have to prepare to do. Just like, you know, sometimes you have to prepare how to use a fire extinguisher. Okay. If a fire begins in your house and you call the fire department, fire department will be there again in minutes. But the seconds count because your house is going to burn down if you don't take that fire extinguisher off the wall and know how to use it. Right. It, it's just kind of seichel as far as I'm concerned. Right. Right. Seichel is just common sense thinking. Common sense. Okay. So, so again, so what is your message to, to, to regular my Jews? Mes and to my, message, my message would be to synagogue leaders, to community leaders, okay, get away from the emotional resistance, and that's really what it is, emotional resistance to doing this, okay? There are ways of doing it. They're logical. They're responsible, Okay. Start recruiting people who are ready to volunteer, to defend our uh, our institutions, to be able to um, to do this responsibly. There are people in the community who know these skills. There are people out of the community who are sympathetic to what we're about. Many many of the trainers that I've trained with, okay, actually cite Israel's response uh, to. Um, to the way it's it's promoted self-defense both militarily and also obviously as you were saying the fact that citizens are the ones sometimes who stop the terror attacks right okay. and you know I, i've heard it say well in this country it's not the same in, in israel it's different my response is dead is dead it doesn't matter why someone wants to kill you if they succeed in kill you killing you you're dead and the our, our leadership needs to just bite the bullet, pun intended, and and rethink this because there's going to be more Colleyvilles. There's going to be more Pittsburghs. Okay, we don't know who's going to be responsible, but they're going to come. 
And I, I'm not I'm not saying don't pursue high technology. I'm not I'm not saying get rid of the off-duty officers. But ultimately, if somebody if that virus gets into your synagogue, and that's the way I say it, if you're not vaccinated, okay, there's going to be a lot, a lot of bad consequences. And how will you explain to, again, the congregational leaders of why the off-duty police officer security official is not enough? Because number one, it's only one person. Okay. And if he's uniformed and he's outside, I was at a, I was in a, a building yesterday. Um, I won't say where it was, but there was an off-duty officer. He was outside. Okay. And I thought to myself, is if I was a terrorist, I want to get in. Okay. All I have to do is walk up to him. Okay. And either stab him or shoot him. Okay. And then run right in. Okay. Take out the receptionist. Okay. And just start doing mayhem. Okay. If no one's in the building watching, uh, and I'm not talking about someone uniform, I'm talking about a, a civilian, a member of the community who is responsible for the rest of us. Let me also say, I think paying somebody to defend our lives mm. when we're not willing to, re to defend our own lives is immoral. That's an interesting point. Okay, we're basically hands upon that. We're basically paying for mercenaries. Okay, because we don't we don't want to get our hands dirty. This is you know this is schmutzig. We're, we're we don't we don't want to get our hands dirty. So we're going to let somebody else take the risk. That's immoral. That's immoral. Israel certainly didn't didn't depend on that. Israel certainly has, has gotten aid, but Israel takes you know it's haganah atzmi. Right, self-defense. and ourselves. Right. 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 Allow me to expand upon that a little more, because that's very. It's a very interesting point you're making. You're saying you you basically just said it's immoral to pay someone else to be responsible for defending me. Uh, but I'm going to add. I'm going to add to that by saying something that I believe. I'm, I'm not talking about myself, right? If a rabbi believes. It, guns are wrong, and it is wrong for me to potentially kill someone to defend myself, but I will pay someone else to do that. That stinks of immorality. Either it is something that is okay, and therefore I or my congregants should be able to be in a position to do self-defense and defend our community, uh, or it's not okay. And no one should do it, but it's the but but you exactly. can't say it's not okay. But then we're going to hire someone else to do that job. And the bottom line is, again, if someone comes to kill you, it doesn't say pay somebody, depend on somebody else with the sword or the knife or the spear. You have the responsibility. It's your life. Okay, yeah. God gave it to you to protect. Right, right. And just just to tie us all up together, when I told you before about that picture I took of myself and I posted online of me holding my M16. I specifically titled it, this is the one and only way to ensure never again. 
And again, in my context, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to having the Jewish state of Israel with our own army to be able to protect ourselves. And again, part of my message to world jury is come home. We're able to come home. We're able to protect ourselves. We don't have to be reliant on governments. And uh, again, part of the biggest, uh, we touched upon the diaspora issue, and I'll just throw this out there. Part of the biggest issue is, as someone who grew up in New York City in America in the 70s, the 80s, and even part of the 90s, we ha we grew up with a and lived with a sort of comfort. Oh, it's never going to happen here. But little by little, people are waking up. Wait, governments change. Politicians change. You can go from one day to the next, and it's a different environment totally. And we have to leave. We have to lose that, that diaspora mentality that we grew which developed over the past couple decades in what was a, a relatively safe life for Jews in America and wake up and realize it's a new world it's and things can change auto, uh, in a, in, a, in an instant and we must be prepared this is a Torah lesson that uh, needs to be learned um, unfortunately it's a Torah lesson that uh, some people don't want to learn but if we don't learn it, we, we don't learn it at our own peril. Right. Right. Well, um, uh, uh, Rabbi Cosberg, I wanted to thank you for your time. Uh, I, I guess I'm wishing you good luck in helping wake up fellow Jews and fellow rabbis and congregational leaders to... Uh, to wake up and realize the importance of self-defense and uh, allowing their communities to be better prepared to defend themselves uh, for the benefit of all of all of us and specifically their communities. So thank you very much for your voice. Thank you. Shalom, shalom. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you very, very much for joining for another episode of The Pulse of Israel. Again, this might be an issue that for some people might be uncomfortable, but hopefully, unfortunately, but hopefully because of today's reality where, once again, we are experiencing and seeing and witnessing the growth of Jew hatred and Jew-hating attacks like at the Colleyville uh, Synagogue just recently, that people wake up and realize while it might be an uncomfortable issue, well, go there. Deal, deal with it, understand it, learn it, grow to be comfortable in order, as Rabbi Cosberg says, to be able to self have self-defense, not be reliant on anyone else, but be prepared because if you can't defend yourself <laughs> and if, if you don't have the values to be able to defend yourself, uh, we can't throw it on anyone else. So signing off for another episode here on Eternal and Ancestral Homelands, the land of Israel. Thanks so much for watching, everyone. Shalom. Pulse of Israel, frontline videos from the Holy Land. Support our work by donating today.